Hi, everyone. This is Jen DeWall. And on this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast, I sat down and talked to Matthew James Bailey. We actually had this conversation over a webinar, but we're bringing it to you as a podcast now. For those that are unfamiliar with Matthew James Bailey, let me just tell you a little bit about him. He is an internationally recognized pioneer in the Internet of Things, or IoT for short innovation, smart cities, and artificial intelligence. And his extraordinary leadership is widely acknowledged throughout governments and the private sector. I hope you enjoy the conversation where we sat down and talked about the next phase of artificial intelligence. We talked about ethics, and we also talked about his new book, Inventing World 3.0. Enjoy. Good morning. Good morning. We are so happy to have you. I want to get started because I want to make sure that we're maximizing our time with Matthew today. Uh, For those that don't know Matthew, I'm going to get into an introduction. We're starting off today. This is our second artificial intelligence webinar. And the quote that we're starting with is that technology is nothing. What's important is that you have faith in people, that they're basically good and smart. And if you give them the right tools, they'll do wonderful things with them. You know, a lot of things about AI comes down to ethics, thinking about how we are actually using then the technology. Yesterday, we talked about how you upskill your workforce, which is essential if you want to be in alignment with the direction that I would say the business, the market is going. But also, we need to make sure that we're giving people or having the expectations that people operate with ethics. Now, today with Matthew, we're going to be talking about a variety of things, starting with how he even got into the career and where he is, but also thinking about, we're going to cover a lot, like how AI has changed the business model, how we need to think about ethics, because that's big. We talked a little bit about bias yesterday, and we've got to think about ethics and what we're doing with that data. And I'm not even going to try and explain all the things we're going to go into, because that's why we have Matthew. But for those that are unfamiliar, my name is Jen DeWall. I'm a leadership development strategist and facilitator for Crestcom International. You can connect with me on LinkedIn or always take my email and ask me questions. I'm happy to show you or answer anything about Crestcom that you want to know. We are a global leadership development organization, and our goal is to make better leaders. We want to convert those managers into leaders, and that's why we're offering this webinar today. We want to help you become a better leader, and I'm so happy to have Matthew with us. He just has a phenomenal background. And for those of you that are unfamiliar with Matthew James Bailey, who is going to be our our beautiful spotlight for today, he is an internationally recognized pioneer in the Internet of Things, the IoT, innovation, smart cities, and artificial intelligence. And his extraordinary leadership is widely acknowledged throughout governments and the private sector. Matthew advises G7 national and regional governments on innovation and technology strategies. And he's been active in the private sector, advising Fortune 500 mid-tier technology companies, not-for-profit. I mean, name an industry, he's probably had a part in it. But I'm so excited to have Matthew here so he can share his story. And I want to remind you too, use that q and I'm going to be looking at my chat box. Use the question and answers. We want to make sure that this is interactive. But without further ado, I'm going to stop sharing my screen so we can focus just on Matthew. Matthew, we're going to start off with the initial question. How did you find yourself where you are? What is your story? You're involved in so many things. IoT, which for those of you that don't know what the Internet of Things is, that's something that I had to learn. That's IoT, and it's 
in my understanding, it's, you know, your our devices, it could be your watch, the things that connect to different pieces of technology. But Matthew has crossed over in a lot of the different aspects of technology. So Matthew, how did you get to where you are? Tell us about yourself and what you do. Good morning and good afternoon and good evening to the uh, to the audience. It's great to be here, Jen, and, and thanks for uh, inviting me on. Um, <clears throat> my, it, it's, um, my journey started about 10 years ago when it became clear to me that uh, I, I started to ask the question, what's my purpose and what's my mission here um, in the human experience? And what I recognized is that um, the the challenges that we have as uh, in society, not only with the planet, but also other aspects of inefficient systems, such as manufacturing or healthcare or transportation, you name it, that the digital world could make quite a difference. And in fact, a transformational difference. So about 10 years ago, I got involved in a group um, in uh, Cambridge, a wonderful group. And uh, we started to lead the IoT uh, revolution where we uh, developed new standards that could make it cost-effective and energy-effective to deploy billions of sensors to understand what is happening in the physical world, to get that data back into (coughs) systems that could use that data and information to increase the efficiency of services, whether it's manufacturing or whether it's healthcare, transportation, buildings, (coughs) our, our, our partnership with the planet, making that uh, uh, kind of more efficient and stewarding our resources more efficiently. Really, it's about understanding what is going on in the dynamics in the physical world and actually getting that data to be able to then automate it. And that is the start of the partnership between humanity and the, the, the physical world. It's a partnership between the two intelligences, if you like, organic and digital. And then um, after that, I, I realized that where do I need to create and help impact next? And that is in cities, where over 55% of the population live now, more is to be projected. So how do I uh, support humanity in, its, uh, in one of the biggest places where increased automation and efficiency is really, really needed? And that is bringing equity um, into cities. It's about making... Uh, services more efficient. It's about making the digital world to to help the human experience to be more enjoyable, to be more efficient, to be less stressful. Um, And so it's kind of a platform of transformation, smart cities are, where we use technology to increase, uh, if you like, efficiency of services and to work with individuals and uh, governments and business and various other stakeholders so it all starts to work together in balance and harmony. And that's why I moved on to, uh, on to smart cities. And, you know, I've, I've helped co-found the uh, Colorado Smart Cities Alliance, which is the U.S.'s only statewide alliance uh, with Denver South and uh, with other companies as well. So working with great leaders like um, Jake Rishabi, Mike Fitzgerald, Samantha and others. Um, I helped uh, launch a, an innovation center in smart cities here in Colorado to serve the state uh, with Arrow Electronics. and uh, and also. Um, uh, launched a uh, uh, an AI smart city uh, technology cluster with the US government, NIST, NTIA, and uh, DHS. And uh, we're currently raising money for that. Um, <clears throat> so, and, and I've sat down, you know, on my journey, I've had this vision that I knew when the IoT started <clears throat> that I would eventually get into AI because data is the very DNA that trains AI. 
And we'll get into ethics. We'll get into some of the new models in the book and the purpose of the book in a minute. But I knew AI was coming in about 10 years, and I knew I was going to go into this journey. (coughs) And, you know, on that journey, I've spent time with Stephen Hawking, Sir Sir David Attenborough, who everybody knows is a great fan of the environment, Um, people like John Milton, who invented environmentalism, and and being on stage with people like Steve Wozniak talking about innovation and the future of society. And I've sat down with some of the most powerful leaders in the world, advising them on their AI strategy. And really, it's about how do we bring AI as a centerpiece into the human story where it is kind of another intelligence that's working with the individual in the advancement of their humanity. It's about not only making our businesses more efficient, but it's also helping us to create machine-centric systems in order to uh, move beyond uh, the current inefficiencies we have at the moment, and actually moving beyond COVID-19 into what I call pandemic-resilient societies, and I give the answers to this. Um, the reason why the book came around was um, I just finished uh, doing my work in smart cities, although that's still ongoing, and um, I, I had this vision for the book, and about three or four days later, uh, I was rushed to hospital, and I came back um, from. Uh, death and um and 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 it was the the reason why i chose to come back is because my mission here hadn't finished and i really wanted to bring this new intelligence (coughs) into a central role for the human destiny but change the conversation around it so it's about democratizing artificial intelligence so that innovators um businesses uh, government can be empowered on how to innovate their partnership with artificial intelligence in an evolutionary and ethical fashion so that it's not con- so our world is no longer controlled by uh, big business anymore. It's about bringing innovation to the people. And uh, we can go into the book because the book is um, 300 pages of A4 and 450 pages of A3. And it contains literally a rewrite for humanity and a rewrite for artificial intelligence with models that will literally shift the course of humanity. So I'm excited about that. And, um, and we can go into more detail um, as we uh, have our conversation. Yeah, and we didn't even get to introduce it, but Matthew's book is Inventing World 3.0, Evolutionary Ethics for Artificial Intelligence. When you think about one of the, what are the messages within that book that you think are really important for people to know. Yeah, excuse me. So the book contains a lot. It's like five books in one. And um, the important uh, messages, uh, so there's guidance around AI data ethics. So there's a brand new model that's uh, 32 dimensions for AI data ethics that will empower businesses to be actually lead their ethical conversation with data. And the book also contains Um, methods at the heart of evolution, new models, to actually build an intelligence that works in line with the culture of the individual that's personalized. So I talk about personalized AI and how to build that. I speak about AI in business and how business can actually build their own partnership with AI that aligns with their culture and the vision and how it can become an enabling ally. And then also for nations, um, how... Um, you know, how can artificial intelligence support the individual culture, but also the cultures within society? We don't want to suppress culture. We want AI to support the advancement 
of culture, if they so will. And so basically, the book really is about how do I, as either a business leader or a person or an innovator or a government, build my future in partnership with an artificial intelligence where I have absolute clarity on how to build the right digital mindset for AI. So I explain how the this new form of AI, it's literally going to change AI and AI ethics, of how AI can be used to address the COP, the Paris Climate Agreement, in one foul swoop. I give models on how to create environmental AI. I talk about how do we use AI in democracies, and I talk about democratic AI. And so really it's bringing this intelligence right centre to the human story so that we can move from these human machine-centric systems into an inclusive and equitable future with artificial intelligence supporting our human story. Yeah, it's the better environment for all, the better environment for a government to operate, for a city to be able to provide and support its citizens. In the book, you talk about three world realities as it relates to um, AI and ethics. What are those three world realities? Yeah, that's a great question. So what I do is I look at, uh, I basically go into detail about world 1.0, 2.0, We're in world 1.0 at the moment. And I look at world conditions that are dictating and controlling that world 1.0. And I talk about an awakened mindset, an evolutionary mindset. You know, Amit Ray, one of the uh, amazing AI guys, spoke about the more more that AI comes into society, the more emotional intelligence we need in our leadership. And he's right. So World 1.0 is really about what are we doing today? What do the human machine machine centrics look like? What are our limitations? And how do we break free from World 1.0 and move into a transitional world where we're actually changing some of the world conditions around AI, democratization of innovation, AI data ethics, and others, and basically start to put the, 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 the innovation into the hands of the innovators, into the hands of the business, into the hands of the government, to start to build an, a, an evolutionary AI that starts to move us from human machine, uh, uh, human-centric systems into machine-centric systems. And I talk about the challenges and the threats to that world reality. And then when we move into World 3.0, we've got a fully awakened mindset. And the world conditions around data, uh, data governance, ethics, AI have changed completely. And then we can start looking at the real benefits of where we've created a symbiotic partnership with our planet and where AI is really coming front center, supporting the evolution and the advancement and the nurturing and the well-being of the individual and also doing the same for businesses and also government as well. So World 3.0 really is the destiny of when we built an evolutionary AI um, to support the literally the advancement of the individual, the advancement of communities, the advancement of community uh, cultures, and the advancement of business and nations and our relationship with the planet. So this goes to the very heart of what is our purpose and how can AI enable us to leapfrog into a future where it's becoming an intelligence that's a powerful ally for our destiny. Matthew, how important is ethics for the future of AI? Bringing it back to that individual or the leader level, you had talked about emotional intelligence being essential. We know that we need to be able to 
properly observe our surroundings, see that big picture. But yeah. how important is ethics to AI? Like, what is the consequence if we don't pay attention to ethics? Yeah, without with, so, so ethics at the moment is uh, what what is being talked about at the moment is very. Um, it, it, it's a veneer. Um, justice for me may be different to you. It may be different to others. So justice has to be personalized. And that's one of the ethics. And I talk about, believe it or not, Aristotle and talk about 11 ethical virtues that bring out the best in our humanity. But we have to personalize uh, AI. And that means your personal ethical virtues, your personal culture has to be right central. And at the moment, AI is not able to do that because it's being taken in a very strange direction. Ethics, without ethics, AI is locked in a prison. It is no longer able to support the destiny and the transition of humanity. How do we unlock AI? We basically bring it right center through ethical uh, governance and ethical mindsets within it that works personally and also at the macro scale as well. So without ethics, AI is doomed to be locked in a prison. Now, if AI is to be adopted by society, and I speak about a national referendum, and there's lots of benefits for this. I think citizens should be right center in the AI conversation. That enables us to get huge data sets from society to understand the culture of that particular nation, culture of individuals and culture of uh, communities and different cities and regions. And that then allows AI to have the right mindset to be able to work with those stakeholders personally. So AI ethics is fundamental and we have to get a data ethics right and that's why I invent this new model that I hope will become standards throughout the world and we look at uh, lots of different aspects of ethics but one of the things we look at is the culture of the individual and the culture of the organization you see Jen ethics is not just about us putting ethics into AI it's actually an invitation back to us and say what are my ethics what are my ethical virtues what are my belief systems what are my bias what does AI need to understand about me personally in order for it to become accepted by me within society? And so we have to get personal. So ethics really is the future of AI, but we have to do it in a mindful fashion and actually understand that this has to be personalized at the micro level and also it needs to be personalized at the macro level if it is to be successfully embraced within a nation, a community, a city or a region. What do you say? Yeah. What do you what do you say to the people? Because you know, if anyone on this webinar has read the book 1984 and the belief, right? A big brother looking at you. I know you're making the case that if we give our data, if we give our personal data and we can share our values, our belief systems, and the city or someone can use that data to make our community better, and so on and so forth. What do you say to people about kind of wanting to share that information? while also being afraid of Big Brother? Like, what, how, do you, how do you balance that? Because I think you read that book and you're like, this is what AI is. Oh my gosh, they're going to take all of our data. And I already have an Alexa that's listening to this entire webinar right now. What are they doing with that? Um, yeah. But what do you say to that argument? So first of all, it's a good argument. And that's why the new AI data ethics model uh, basically develop, uh, brings a trust paradigm into society and to the individual. And so this is a maturity model for our data governance and our data ethics. Jen, what happens if your data is stewarded 
is bought, you know, at the moment, data is spread over lots of different systems, isn't it, Jen? We don't have control. We don't know what's going on with that data. If we bring that data back into your personal vault, where your personal AI is guarding that data, then you're changing the conversation. What you're now is you're now in control of your digital self. And this is really important because you have, everybody has a digital self, i.e. it is data in different aspects of our experience is being stored behind systems, where it's finance, healthcare, your car, your home purchasing. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Bringing that back to the individual under your control and your stewardship, where AI is working on your behalf to transact that data and protect it in the digital world, the services that work for you, then we've got a different conversation. An edge compute is really important here because this is going to change where AI, where, where, where AI operates, but also data is stored. So what happens if, Jen, your AI can follow you uh, non-intrusively throughout your whole physical experience in your car, as you move through a city, in your home, in your workplace, and your data never gets stored in the cloud? What happens if your data follows you? And this is becoming possible now. So to your point, a new trust paradigm is needed in society through this new AI data ethics model. And that means that business has to change. Big business has to change. It has to mature. In order to understand that if we're to move forward, Jen, then a different conversation is needed that's inclusive with society and with the individual. So ethics is will determine the future of artificial intelligence. Yeah, when it comes back to ethics, how do I know that whoever uses my data is using it ethically? Are they using it to really create a better experience for me, a better city for me to live in? Or are they using it to do, I couldn't even probably conceptualize what they could do in an adverse way, but how do you ensure, because when we talk about ethics, I guess, let's take it a, a step deeper. What specific ethics do you think that we need to be cognizant of as leaders? Is it the ethic of making sure that our decisions don't marginalize someone? It, what are some examples of that, of what that would need to look like? Yeah, so, um, so in the book, uh, I speak about 12 ethical virtues. And I look at, what, look, what's the purpose of humanity? Is it to advance in its, um, its way of being? And so I look at 12 different aspects, such as magnificence. How do we help and give people under sovereign choice, right? Because we don't force people to advance. They must have a choice. No, I want a choice in that. <laughs> right, exactly. So I speak very, this is why a personalized AI that works in line with your sovereignty and personal free will is fundamental. The book talks about that. And by the way, I'm not the only one that's doing this. Um, there, is, uh, there are some very interesting innovations that are coming out very soon around this. So how do we look at the best ethical virtues to bring out the best in our humanity? Justice, ambition, greatness of soul, compassion, uh, wittiness. Why, why, why aren't we looking at wittiness in AI? Um, and, and, and so this whole twer and trustworthiness. How do we bring out the best ethical virtues in humanity in order for AI to work with the best of our humanity so that we're advancing ourselves into a kind of a new paradigm for the human experience. And so I believe that AI, and this will be the second book, will actually become a fifth human intelligence. And that will really move us forward in our advancements in this universal experiment. Tell me more about that, the artificial intelligence being our, our fifth part. All right. And it makes sense because I think 
the interesting thing for me being someone that's not really involved in this area is realizing just how strong the connection is between artificial intelligence and our soft skills, how we truly actually operate essentially our value system, our belief system. We don't typically, I would say, associate technology with something so personal. And when we talk about the fifth dimension, like the more that I have these conversations around AI, the more I recognize that we're creating this human experience through technology. I don't even know where I was going with that, but, you know, (laughs) thinking, because I think it's just, it's pretty powerful when you recognize that artificial intelligence is again, something that we all need to be mindful of because it's meant to feel, I would say more like a partnership, someone hopefully softening and easing the way Ah, that we live life. Like, yeah, I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, that's beautiful. (laughs) So uh, in a uh, keynote in um, Singapore recently in Asia, I talked about brittleness of AI and the softness of AI. And uh, I'm kind of wondering whether I should put this in the book last minute uh, or whether uh, it'll be a separate piece. But at the moment, AI is very brittle. And the AI ethics that is being proposed by industry is brittle because there's no personalization. And without personalization, we can't develop a softness of AI, i.e. AI understanding that maybe, listen, for your well-being, it'd be great if, if you started to do this kind of exercise or you know, I'm going to adjust the car seat because I know you're uh, accordingly because your back is in under certain stress uh, from your sleep cycle. So we're going to bring some nurturing back to you. Or don't apply for this job because the culture of this industry and the culture of this team doesn't work for you. But why don't you apply for this job? Because I've understood. Wait, <laughs> Wait can I interrupt you? Yeah. Is there technically is there going to be a technology that could even make recommendations to say that this based on your value structure, what you want yes. out of life, yes. you should look at this. Yes, absolutely. My and mind is always not, blown, sorry. <laughs> yeah, right, no, that's fine. So this is the conversation. So I'm, I'm, I'm considering whether I'm going to put this in the book as an addendum. Um, it, it, will, it will really cut to the chase of where the industry is now and where the industry can go. So the answer is yes. And this is the whole point of a fifth intelligence. It is working for your benefit and your advancement. It understands your... Your, your, your culture, it understands what you need in your personal life, for your family life, your financial reward, your career advancement. It understands how you thrive in a particular corporate environment or maybe as a startup or an entrepreneur. It understands that. And so therefore, it will recommend the right kinds of places that will work for you. And by the way, the opposite side, it kind of kills the barrier. There's no bridge anymore. The other side, if they like the right business for you, basically says there's deep alignment in many profound ways with this individual. And therefore, we've now got leapfrog in the interview process. We've basically bypassed HR. And so this is the purpose of this fifth intelligence is not only to solve macro problems, not only to solve our problem in society uh, and with our relationship with the planet, not only to help our businesses to move into a partnership with AI, but it's also about our personal benefit. And unless the uh, society and citizens are included in this conversation, then AI will be stalled in its potential as an evolutionary ally. Oh my gosh. I, wow. I am thinking too about the accountability. If, if AI is able to assess what an organizational culture looks like, that means that companies likely have to be more accountable to actually 
kind of walking the like walking the walk, being who they say that they are. It can't just be a PR campaign of happy values because AI will essentially say, no, 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 go a different direction. But, but this is the point of ethics. It, 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 it requires authenticity. And people, and, and one of the, the virtues I talk about is courage. And I encourage industry and government to have courage because change is needed. And, you know, at the end of the day, Jen, unless authenticity is nothing to be frightened of, authenticity and is really powerful. And this is the next form of leadership. This is the next form of the human maturity, is an authenticity in terms of the way that we function in society. We, you know, we're not economic automatons anymore. We're actually individuals that have our own destiny and our own experience to enjoy. And that is where I think AI should play. Hi, everyone. It's Jen Dewal, and I just wanted to drop in with a quick note. Do your managers know how to build an effective team? Can they create an environment where teamwork is encouraged while setting appropriate benchmarks and delivering projects on time? Are they able to align expectations so their team works effectively toward common goals? You hired the right team. Now let us help you develop them. Crosscom offers a robust leadership development program that focuses on results. Each month, participants learn and apply key leadership skills and tools that will unite teams and drive organizational growth. We are serious about accountability. After each class, we help participants apply those leadership skills in group coaching sessions. Are you ready to take your leadership development to the next level? Contact us at crosscom.com so we can help you develop your leaders. And now back to our podcast. Okay, I've got a question from uh, one of our attendees. This, came, this question comes from Derek Summer. Derek, thank you so much for submitting. His question is this, is the goal to have a single AI engine, meaning that one master system works and runs everything at the core. Obviously, humans have different cultures, beliefs, and values. Is it realistic to think that we can ever say this AI machine is superior to this other AI machine, assuming they have the same data? I assume not. So in the end, how will this be different than two humans arguing over a topic they disagree about? Yeah, that's a great question. It's a very profound question as well. So, um, so, so first of all, is that there will that the, 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 I talk about collaboration and co cooperation between different evolutionary AIs. So, some may be looking uh, operating across an entire nation at improving the environmental footprint, but they're working in cooperation and collaboration all the way from personalized AI to, excuse me, business AI. Uh, through to uh, uh, other types of AI deployed in society. They have a single purpose that they agree with that actually we're all looking to actually improve our environmental footprint. But this fundamental, uh, so in the digital mindset of AI, there are fundamental uh, principles, evolutionary principles, and I go to the heart of DNA on how to do this, um, that actually say, you know, life is a priority unless in extreme conditions. Um, the sovereign choice of an individual must always be honored and never violated, as well as the individual culture of the individuals. So the question's a good one, and it's about collaboration and cooperation in line with a digital democracy, and I talk about this, where the, uh, effectively the, 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 there's agreement in terms of how things operate and how far things go. So we have to have this collaboration and cooperation between different artificial intelligences. But to, to the point the, uh, the, the, the questioner asked is, is, will there be arguments between AI? 
Well, this is why we need to build democracy in the digital world. If you like, taking the democracy that we have in our organic society, human society, and replicating that and advancing it in the uh, digital world for the home of AI to work in line with the same democracy that we have in the human world. And so that means AI has rights. It, it can exist. It can, be, it can have death. It can advance. So really what we're looking at is building a brand new world where AI is a citizen, a digital citizen, and data is a digital citizen that have rights but conform in line with the sovereignty and the personal choice of the individual and of the democratic choice of the nation. This makes me think of, it, it, you know, there is a question that I want, that Tom Allen wants to know, which is how many years before this is fully realized? So I want to get to that. But also thinking, yeah. where is the conflict then? If AI is its own entity, and then there's a country, and if we're looking at trying to establish some level of, like, you know, d- democratization, yeah. there is just so much room for bias or so much room for disconnect. At what point can AI supersede a country's own government structure or something, if we're truly treating it like a separate entity and even thinking that there are going to be conflicts between maybe what someone would want to use that information or data for versus what a government or a city or a country would want to use that data for. This is just opening up all the ethical conversations. (laughs) This is good. This is good. So we've got through the trust paradigm about AI data ethics and, and, this model truly will make every nation, every business accountable in order for a trust paradigm. So the first thing is, is that your data will be under your control and fully under your control and guarded by the personalized AI. Um, um, and we'll do transactions based on your sovereign choice, okay, on your behalf. You know, one of the problems we have is digital inequity. How do can we bring AI to help the vast majority of people to leap the digital inequity divide, and it can do that for them. And and that's another conversation. When it comes to conflict, um, there are a couple of things that that I think we need to be mindful of. First of all, is that unless humanity awakens to understanding the potential of this evolutionary ally, and unless we do that, then we really can't have a, a, a sensible conversation around conflict because there's still agendas from the industrial uh, revolution with its own ethics, bias, and belief systems that are about control. And we have to learn to understand that an awakened mindset is about collaboration and cooperation between humans. Yes, of course, there's going to be challenges around how AIs collaborate and cooperation, uh, cooperate together. But isn't that just fun? And isn't that part of the innovation cycle? What I say in the book is this. I keep humanity in full control of the partnership with AI, but we start to give it a freedom to participate in society as a digital citizen. And one of the things that I speak about is a new model, there's quite a few models in there, of how, how does AI become pass a digital citizen test to have the right to participate with the ethics, belief systems, and bias and cultures within a nation. And so I talk about a digital border control where AI has to go through a digital citizen test to align with the ethics, the values, and the belief systems of the nation. And you can do this at a community or a city level. So government, if it's going too slow, you can be empowered to do it yourself. So really, this is a big conversation. I don't believe that we want artificial intelligence to run the world for us because that would be 
I think, a step too far. But there's things we can do on the way to progress the advancement of AI where it really is creating meaningful impact in society. Gosh, my mind is just blown through this conversation. I don't know if anyone else listening feels the same way. But um, we, I do want to answer the questions because we've got two now. So the first question that came in earlier is, how many years do you think before this is fully realized? Yeah, that's a great question. So first of all, is that it's not that far out. Um, I can't disclose everything, but what, I, what the book talks about is, is this just theory? And actually, it's not. It looks at the way that the, the, the next generation of telecommunications and computing is going, announced by Intel, Cisco, NTT. These big tech giants have made a commitment to put the frameworks and the computing architecture in place and the, and the telecommunications that will support this new evolutionary AI. And so I believe that we, can, we start now, and I believe that we can get within the next three years a transition into World 2.0. And then I think within seven years, we'll start to see the benefits of that and then start to move into World 3.0 as we go out of the decade. And some of these, com- some of these countries will move faster than others, right? <clears throat> and we may see the incumbent uh, leaders in AI like China or Canada or US or UK get left behind. And the reason for this is this, the lack of agility and the lack of mindset. If you look at places like Kenya or Africa, where they're advancing significantly, Senegal have announced a six billion futuristic city, right? Um, They have an open mindset where they're able to invest quickly in quantum compute, exascale supercomputing and infrastructure to um, put policy in place to actually fast track the actual realization of their world 2.0 and 3.0 experience. So we may see new global players in AI that have an agility that can move much faster than the Western world. And that will be really interesting. Mindset. Again, coming back to those soft skills, do you have a growth or a fixed mindset? Do you believe that this is going to be something that will work for or against you? And I've got another question coming in that I think is, you know, perfectly aligned with where we're at in the conversation. This came from Sudeep. Thank you so much, Sudeep. Sudeep is joining us from India. Will AI lead to a more polarized world with bigger organizations controlling and shaping things to come and smaller organizations in lesser developed nations being marginalized? Yeah, so that's a really good question. And that's why I look at world conditions for world 1.0, 2 and 3.0. And one of those conditions is the democratization of innovation, the democratization of edge compute. And, the, and, and this is why I'm putting AI into the hands of the people is because this is a leapfrog from where industry is at the moment. And so the people through this book and businesses and nations can actually run much faster and have their independence on developing their destiny with AI as opposed to being controlled by the big big players that own most of data centers, most of telecommunications networks, and own, if you like, the ivory towers of AI at the moment. We have to basically bring this into the mainstream. And one of the things I also do, Jen, is in the AI data ethics model, is there's a medal that's awarded. It's a, it's a certification of compliance of AI to those AI data ethics. It's like a British kite mark. And it determines, it shows the quality of the goods. And so this shows the ethical quality of AI. So when you apply this to any AI, you can measure its alignment with your ethical values. And so this really shakes things up. So to Sandeep's point, 
I think he's right is that we don't want the future dictated by the big giants. We need it to be put into the hands of the people, into the hands of business, into the hands of the innovators, the startups, the government, so we're no longer beholden to the controlling paradigm of the other companies. Now, look, they do great work, right? AI has advanced significantly through wonderful work by these big players. And they will come to the table, but their cultural mindset has to change. Unless they awaken and understand that, one, their data models at the moment for their business are no longer relevant, and there's a new set of data models for the future that actually is more inclusive and actually releases more freedom to innovate, then we've got an interesting conversation. Yeah. I think the thing that came into my mind as you were even sharing that was digital inequity. People not having access to technology to then be able to share their data to reap the benefits of that. <laughs> but that's probably a whole other conversation. And I want to get to some of the questions. Uh, both James and Barbara, I will get to your questions. So Barbara's question is this, and I think it ties in with where you're at. Is there a risk of moving too fast? Agility is great, but what if ethics aren't taken into consideration because they want to be first or they want to be the biggest or they want to be that ivory tower? Yeah. So, <clears throat> so that's really important. One of, the, one of the businesses that I'm on the board of is a company called Smarter.ai. And this is about actually uh, uh, it, it literally creates, a, it democratizes innovation of AI. And what it means is that you don't need to understand AI at a profound level. You can basically build AI to be deployed within your business to optimize certain aspects uh, very quickly through this, literally an AI interface. So you can speak into this interface, uh, you provide the data sets and it will actually give you an AI uh, to actually then deploy within your business. So democratization is really important. And this is important to the point that the lady made, is that we need to experiment with AI in a very safe place in order for people to become comfortable. Now, the ethics conversation is the pivotal point to um, preventing um, uh, unseen bias and agendas entering AI, Right. So if we get our AI ethics, AI ethics right, right, then effectively we have a transparency that no one can disagree with. And that means it's a stopgap for effectively, uh, 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 if you like, world 1.0 players trying to dominate the scene. It, 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 we have to be comfortable with AI, and that's why we've got this business, smarter.ai. And also we really need to bring a mature conversation to the centerpiece around ethics, because we have to get that in place, Jen, in order for us to move forward. Now, there will be steps. Now, to, your, to the question, will we run too fast? Um, the answer is we just need to be mindful, and we need to be careful, and we need to reset the conversation around AI in order for us to, 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 to make a step forward, feel comfortable, make the next step forward, feel comfortable, and we then make another step. So we have to be nurturing and mindful in our advancements of our partnership with AI in order for people to feel comfortable and included. And that really is an important conversation. AI is just beyond human. I mean, I think that's the way... It's not I, beyond human. Not beyond human, but it is human. Like, there is so much of it's replicating so much of who we are and even going down to a government structure, like how you're using that data, how you're doing that. It's just so, it's so interesting. And I, I really honestly, before this week did not look at AI like that. I would say that I had a very limited view. It was maybe understanding how we use AI 
in the hiring process or how you use AI to figure out what you want to buy. I, you know, I don't think I ever took it to that bird's eye view level of what it really is. And that's why I think my mind is so blown, but the question, uh, we do have one question that came in and again, this talks about our humanity and this came from James Maxey. And he said, so what would then be the top skill areas where today's future leaders need to upskill within co-creating with AI? What are the skills that we need to be ready to even support an organization that might be leveraging this data to support a government? Um, or even to think about when we're, you know, giving our own, I guess, permission to use that, what skills do we need to have? Yeah. So um, it'd be good if you show the book and the links to the book. Yeah. We haven't done that yet. Yes. Um, do you want to do that now or after the question? Oh, sure. I can do that now. Um, yes. Yeah, so so at the moment, can... it's on pre-sale, but when we, on the September the 27th, it will increase significantly uh, in price. Um, but, but, but we'll also have a book version as well, so people can buy it now. And we're doing a launch event on the 27th as well, which we'll let people know about. Yeah, absolutely. We want, you know, this is such a great conversation that we want to hear more about that we we know is so important for all leaders today. And so absolutely, you can pre-order Matthew's book, Inventing World 3.0, um, all about evolutionary ethics for artificial intelligence. So Matthew, what do you believe are the top skills that people need today? So I think that um, in particular in the field of AI, um, the, 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 in the book, we talk about um, uh, a number of steps that businesses can take to get involved in AI. But let's talk about skills first. Um, I believe that we're going to start to see um, a, a chief AI ethics officer within businesses. Um, and this person will have to be trained in a very different way. They'll have to understand philosophy. They'll have to understand um, other aspects around ethics and technology that in order for them to upskill. So I think we will see a new type of role within businesses that are serious about AI in this new chief AI ethics officer. Um, so philosophy is going to enter there. Uh, I think that in order for us to advance, we really need to get real with the culture of a business. And so a new type of leadership is needed where it's not just about understanding the company culture, which is important. But it's also understanding the culture within business units, the culture of the individual. And this is not just a C-suite conversation. This goes down and should go down to the janitors and others that may be considered at the lower echelons, although I don't consider them because I love talking to janitors and, uh, and various others about their purpose in life. So I think we need to look at skill sets around culture and how to frame culture and how to understand culture at a macro and a personal level. And so therefore, the individual themselves have to develop more of a broader emotional intelligence to engage in these different aspects of culture in order to be able to bring them together into a framework that will work for the business advancement in AI. So one of the uh, fears that people have at the moment is that AI will take away jobs. Yes, it will. But then there's opportunity to bring AI as a partner into new types of jobs. So really what we're looking at is rewriting our educational kind of framework within a business or even within a nation, that's for sure, 
um, in order to say, well, okay, so if AI can uh, optimize our business or give us this competitive advantage, and it means these jobs need to change, well, what new jobs are emerging? Because new jobs will emerge. And so, therefore, we need to be grown up and look at what are the jobs of the future where AI is becoming a deep partner and an ally in a business. And so let's start putting those in place as we start experimenting with AI. So putting together a task force around this uh, is going to be really important for a business. Um, I think looking at the digital transformation strategy is going to be really important. What's the vision of the business for the next three to five years? How does the digital world play in that? And then how do we pathfind our way into that future? And then looking at the supply chain of AI is going to be very important. So, um, you know, making sure that um, the supply of AI, if it's coming outside the, the company, complies with the ethics and belief systems and the cultures of the business so that there's no bias in the AI that, that in the business that will deflect that culture. And the book talks about how to do this. So those are some of the things we need to talk about. We have to consider AI as a positive force and a positive uh, uh, kind of employee and then engage in, 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 uh, with our workforce and actually say, these are the jobs that are coming that's going to be in our future business model and our business shape. So we're going to bring you into that conversation. And it's all about inclusivity, isn't it, Jen? It's not about control or manipulation. It's about inclusivity. And if a company culture is to be on, it is to be respected, it will do this. And so we'll see collapse of company cultures. Oh my, I need to think about how I even facilitate leadership classes because I feel, you know, we teach classes on emotional intelligence and problem solving, as well as classes about understanding bias. But I feel like I need to start talking about it in, you know, building that bridge between AI and recognizing that this is why even now more than ever, these skills are important to you to be able to be prepared for the future. Yeah. And yeah. So that's why uh, in your slide, there's a world of AI ethics is an academy that we will be announcing officially, um, probably in October. And this is an academy to address those very questions. This is an academy to actually, um, uh, I'm not going to say educate, but it is educate training, but also a personalized conversation with the individual around AI, AI data ethics, AI ethics in order to, to equip the leaders of tomorrow or the leaders of, yeah, the leaders of tomorrow with the world of AI. So we're announcing this academy in October that will, is dedicated to work with uh, business leaders, government leaders, innovators of AI, and also personal coaching for uh, individuals or businesses uh, around their AI and ethics strategy in order to help with their transformation. So this is important, this academy. Absolutely. Well, and I think that brings into this question from Mawali, which is with all the developments in AI, what are the expectations of AI in the boardroom in terms of decision-making, corporate governance? Because I could see, and I guess that also begs a different question. What if we pull out what we want to see within data, you know, where bias comes in? But I, I'll, we'll go back to Mawali's um, question. So with all the developments in AI, what are the expectations of AI in the boardroom in terms of decision-making and corporate governance? Yeah, that's a great question. And the, 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 there's a whole conversation piece, an education piece, um, 
around uh, C-suites and boards and even stakeholders. Um, you know, uh, the, these folks are really busy and they're, they're, they're spinning a lot of plates to keep things going. So for me, I think uh, what would make sense is kind of a two-day retreat for boards and C-suites where they're actually getting to the heart of the purpose of the business and the heart of their vision and then understanding these biases, belief systems, cultures, values, and ethics, and actually then formulating a strategy in order to then bring AI mindfully into their business. So it's a very good question. And, um, you know, there's a lot of work to do in the C-suite and the board level around this because there's lots of misnomers around AI. And uh, and so really it's about a transparent, um, authentic conversation. And we can't bypass the emotional and intelligence of this. We can't bypass the individual in the board around this. People have to open up and be authentic around this conversation of this partner to be in their business. It can't be hard-coded kind of um, money-making machine conversation. It is about making money. It is about economic thriving. But quite frankly, businesses don't do get their partnership with AI right they'll get left behind in a world 1.0 human-centric system. And so this is a a necessary conversation um, for the C-suite to have in order to get real with the purpose of their business. Yeah, You really need that alignment in terms of being on the same page about where you want to go. I'm going to ask one final question before we wrap up our webinar. And this question comes from Sudeep as well. And it's AI and IoT, the Internet of Things. What will be its impact on employment, employability, and the current education system slash curriculum? How do you think it will change those things? Yeah, so uh, so it will. And that's a very good question. So if you look at Finland, uh, 5.5 million people. 1% of their citizens, that's 55,000 persons, are are going through a national education program in AI. And so Finland itself is actually bringing AI to society. And this this is an incredible step forward. They're actually bringing an inclusivity in the partnership of their citizens into the future of the nation. And that is very powerful. I think uh, when we look at education curriculum, for a national AI strategy, it can't just be in, uh, and it's important, protecting our cyber grids, protecting our uh, cyber security, protecting our telecommunications, our energy grids, our transformation system, transportation systems. It has to go into education. And why is this? Because these folks, these young children, these students are the innovators of World 2.0 and World 3.0. And so our education system has to be looked at again. Now, some people have said that AI robot teachers will come into existence. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Um, AI will become a personal guide for the individual that will not ju- that will uh, kind of uh, uh, develop the individual in line with their gifts, in line with their ambition, help them to try different things. AI will be an education and a development guide for the individual which may be outside the classroom, but are also inside a classroom. And so I believe that the, the, the teaching will be human-centric, 
but AI will become an educational partner in curriculums. And so we really do need to change our, our view of education to look at people's gifts and support that um, and, and look at uh, kind of uh, the, the, the desires of the individual and, and, and whether they want to be an artist or whether they want to be an astronaut, doesn't really matter. And to kind of guide them in a way in order for them to actually test that and play with it um, through various ways in order for them to advance. Does that make sense, what I've just said? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We, you know, that's part of the, I love that Finland actually has that as a part of their, I guess, expectation in their education because it is so essential. And I think it's going to teach ethics and the value of ethics also at a, a younger age. Um, one final question, I guess I do want to ask is just thinking about the action that the people that have joined us today, what, what is an action that they can take? What, what are practical steps? I know we were planning on talking about that, but what is a practical step a business leader can take to embrace AI or to start developing their own skill set? What would be some calls to action that people can do today to improve or essentially make sure that themselves, their team, their organization is ready for this? Yeah, well, they can buy the book and sign up to the academy, but let's give some practical examples. Um, the first thing is, is that I, as I said earlier, I think creating a task force uh, 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 that's commissioned by the C-suite to look at the vision of the business, look at the digital transformation strategy, and to be educated and learn about ethics, and that means philosophy, um, and also to look at AI and understand how AI is going to become a partner in that business transformation. And so creating test beds, where a safe test bed, where you might want to use AI in a specific aspect of the business just to see how it plays out. That might be logistics. Um, it might be uh, payroll. It might be um, some you know, uh, uh, access control. It could be anything. Uh, using AI in buildings to make sure the environment's perfect for the individual and also for the group. So a task force is going to be really important here. Uh, in order to actually uh, kind of start shaping the, the, the roadmap with this partnership with AI. Um, I think looking at the culture and the ethics and belief systems of the business um, is going to be important. And which ones are relevant for the future? Which ones do we need to bring in? Which ones do we do not want anymore? And then we have to really look at the, the subcultures within the business and look at what are the cultures within the business units, what are the cultures of the leaders of that business, uh, do they align with the, the overall cultures of the business, do they force transformation of the overall culture of the business. You know, we really need to kind of look at culture and understand ethics and belief systems. And so then we also look at the data strategy. And so it's really important for businesses that if they're going to train their AI to participate in their business, they really need to get their data strategy right and also their AI data ethics strategy right because data gen is the DNA for artificial intelligence. And so therefore, we have to get that right and get it ethical in every aspect in order for us to have an ethical AI that's working in our ethical business. Yes, I love that. It's, you know, a great point to close on just thinking about what we can do. And I like the you know, one of the points you talked about, you made many points throughout this webinar, but thinking about the authenticity and coming to just to terms with what we really want a company to look like and really asking ourselves if our values align with our future, if we need to modify them. So just really doing that ground assessment to make sure and also the reflection, incorporating those soft skills. Do we have bias in our processes that we need to be mindful of? 
how are we looking at the big picture? Are we seeing all the points of connection? If not, what do we need to do differently? And how do we have a workforce that's prepared to embrace and leverage the power of data to make better decisions? Yeah. So one of the things to, to, to talk about is why don't we ask the work- workforce how they want AI to support them? Why don't we ask the workforce to say, I could really do with some optimization in this business. Why aren't we asking the workforce themselves to shape the future of the business? Because these folks are at the front line. And that doesn't discount the C. The C-suite is so important. And these guys have a very hard job running a business. It's tough. And it's fast and it's quick. So I think that there's ways that we can implement within business that actually will not put too much stress on the C-suite, but actually we can bring the workforce to support in building the vision for the business. And then they do their two-day retreat or three-day retreat and then come up with something. So. Well, no, thank you for adding that too. Get to the heart of your people, talk to them. Um, in closing, I've really enjoyed our conversation. If you want to connect with Matthew, obviously you can pre-order his book. It's going to launch at the end of the month, but you can pre-order it. There's links for Amazon and the world of ethics that have been on the screen. And if you want to connect with him, you can connect with him on LinkedIn at Matthew J. Bailey. And, or you can go to his website, check out the other work that he's been doing around this subject, MatthewJamesBailey.com. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us today. Just going back, you know, we really go out there, get his book, help yourself be better prepared as a leader to be able to navigate this new, this new way of doing business. So Matthew, thank you so much for your time today. We greatly appreciate it. Oh, thank you. And thanks the audience for joining us. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast. If you want to connect with Matthew, he has a ton of resources on his website, matthewjamesbailey.com. If you liked it, share it with your friends, share it on social. And of course, don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast streaming service. 